Hi, my name is Rachel Perry. I am a 48 years old, grey-haired curve model. I'm going to be your host for Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling, and over on social media I found so many amazing, inspiring women over 40 who are really embracing midlife and leaving a trail of inspiration along the way, helping to break down the stereotypical middle-aged barriers. So I thought it would be fun to share them with you. So welcome back to Out of the Bubble with this week's fabulous guest, Rachel Lancaster. Rachel is the founder of Magnificent Midlife, the Mutton Club, and can also add podcast host to her job title. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you very much for coming on. Hello, Rachel. It's fabulous to be here. Thank you. And I'm also going to be honest with the listeners today and say that this is our second attempt at this podcast interview <laughs> because I had technical failures and I think it's good to share those because it's not always perfect and it's okay to admit when things have gone wrong. So yes, welcome back and thank you for your patience. <laughs> well, what we do when we when we fail is we dust ourselves down and we get back up on the horse and we, and we keep going, don't we? Exactly. Yes, we do. Yes. Where did the inspiration come from to start off with, with Magnificent Midlife? Well, I went through early menopause at 41 and uh, that was 10 years earlier than it should have been. Mm. And it was a huge shock um, and it was quite tumultuous for a while. I was actually trying for another child and I'd wanted another child since the first one was born. So I was quite devastated to not be able to have one. Um, But it kind of catapulted me into midlife and I wasn't sort of ready for it even though I was 41 so technically I was in midlife but I looked around um, for support and ideas and things and I didn't find what I wanted or needed so I scratched my own itch and I created it so so that was really why I set up the whole magnificent midlife world because I realised very early on that I bought into the negative stereotypes about midlife and I bought into the fact that, you know, we get better, we decline with age and life is over at menopause. And, yeah. You know, we're, we're no longer vibrant, sexy, wonderful, beautiful women. And I realised that was a complete load of rubbish. Yeah. Um, and I wanted, I suppose, to get that message out to more women. So that's, that's why I do what I do and that's why I started it. Yeah. And how would you describe it to people that haven't come across it yet? And if you haven't come across it, then please look it up because it's a fantastic site. Thank you. Well, it's an online hub and it kind of, it keeps growing, but it's, it's a hub online, um, inspiring, supporting, empowering and celebrating women in midlife and beyond. And it has various bits to it. So I'm an online midlife mentor now. So I'm doing mentoring for women who want to get clarity about where they want to go in the next chapter of their lives. I have the podcast. I have the Magnificent Midlife site, which has resources from checklists for natural menopause, remedies to workbooks to find your purpose and your passion. And then where it all started was actually with the Mutton Club, which is an online magazine. And that has all sorts of articles and resources for women in midlife and beyond and a lot of people write for me for that so some of it's my stuff and some of it's other people in fact you're on there as well aren't you yes thank you yeah so I love to profile midlife reinvention women and you were the perfect one for that thank you so going back to the fact that you did go through the early menopause which was a shock at 41 um you know I'm 49 and just going through it now and I can't imagine what it would have been like 10 years earlier 
Mm. How difficult was that to accept and how did you overcome it? It was really difficult to start with um, because I felt terribly alone. There was nobody else that I knew who was going through anything like that. As I say, it was you know, mm. 10 years early. Um, I think actually the diagnosis was probably incorrect looking back now mm. because I've learned so much about hormones and about you know what we can do to support our own hormonal balance and the fact that during the perimenopause years the hormones can fluctuate so much just from day to day so this was a one-day test and I think um, that the combination of general thinking then and also the doctor I had who was I'm afraid a classic doctor who knew very little about hormones and menopause Um, so that was the initial diagnosis but yeah, it was very difficult, first of all, to accept it because of this, you know, I bought into these negative narratives. Um, but I found, first of all, I found an organisation called the DAISY Network, um, and they work specifically with women who've been diagnosed with early menopause. And they were absolutely brilliant. And I went to one of their days and I um, found out about two people there specifically, Dr. Marilyn Glenville, who's a, um, a nutritionist who and sort of natural medicine person and I went to see her I had a consultation with her and in fact for a while I got my periods back which was very interesting to me she put me on a special diet and a special tincture and they came back for a while not long enough to get the the desired results of the baby but it was interesting that you know having gone from your postmenopause I got my periods back so that was bizarre and I also um, found out about Dr. Nick Panay, who's a specialist in early menopause and who consults in London. Um, he's an NHS doctor. And I eventually ended up going and having um, consultations with him. And then I did go on HRT for a while because I was found to have borderline osteopenia in my hip. Right. Um, so I thought osteopenia, if anybody doesn't know, is the precursor to osteoporosis. And I thought, OK, Rachel, suck it up. I didn't want to go on HRT, but I thought the standard advice then was certainly if early menopause, and it is now as well. Mm. If it's early, then then go on the HRT. So I did do that until natural menopause age of 51 when I came off it. So it was really, I suppose, finding the resources, finding the people that could help me, and then creating something myself that really helped me to overcome it. I think recently, I've just, oh, I've learned so much. Um, since it all happened because I don't want women to have to suffer like I did or to not know where the information is Um, but uh, one of the other people that I interviewed on my podcast is uh, Darcy Steinke Um, and Darcy has written this book called um, Flash Count Diary and she and I interviewed on the podcast and I asked her what what helped you most get through you know your menopause because she talked about initially it was really difficult got a lot of hot flushes and stuff and she said it was actually learning about the whales i don't know if you heard about the whales right no no okay so the only two creatures in the world who go through menopause are human females and whales so yeah and um there are several species of whales who go through (laughs) menopause but she was specifically at that time looking at killer whales And it turns out that when the female whales go through menopause, they have like 50 years post-menopause of of good life. And what do they do? They become the leaders of their pods. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Isn't it? Isn't that brilliant? Yes, it is. Isn't that? I just love it. 
Um, and when she found this out, it completely sort of shifted her view of where she was. Yeah. And she looked also at how, you know, in traditional hunter-gatherer societies, older women were really treasured because they knew where the good food was. They knew what to eat, what not to eat, what might be poisonous. You know, yeah. they had advice for how to live in communities and things. So they were really valued. So there is this thought that the evolutionary reason for menopause is that we are more, more used to our communities um, as leaders than as breeders. Mm. And I just love yeah, that. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I have to listen to that one. I mean, you, I know. that's such a positive approach to it. And you seem to have been a very positive person throughout this whole process. I'm sure there were times when you didn't feel like you were. But you have yeah. sort of tackled it head on and, and gone out there and, and found the resources to help you. Have you always been that positive when you were younger or has it come with age? I think it's definitely come with age. I think I may have tried to be positive when I was younger, but I, I was probably a bit half-hearted. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't so, so keen on trying that. But I, I think ageing is a blessing, you know. Yeah. We're so lucky to be able to get older. We're so lucky to be going through menopause. And being post-menopausal now, I, life is great, mm. you know. I don't have to bother with periods. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm off that estrogen roller coaster. I feel I'm more me now. And actually, Darcy said this as well. She feels like she's gone back to her time before puberty when mm -hmm. she was a feisty, strong-willed, confident girl. Yeah. Before estrogen kicked in, and she was then driven to nurture everybody. So I I love this process of being older, and I I yeah. I just, I just want to spread the word, really, and tell everybody, it's all right, you'll be fine, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> so I, I think that I've, you know, I've talked to lots of people who feel exactly the same way as you, and what frustrates me is why are we not being represented in society enough in that positive manner when we get over 40 and over 50? What changes do you think we can see and be made? It drives me nuts, yeah. Rachel, absolutely drives me nuts. Um, and you are spearheading that. I mean, I love what you're doing, um, but it it's so important because, well, it's all about ageism and sexism, yeah. to be honest. And and it's ageism is bad enough, but when you add in sexism, it's an insidious combination, um, and it's so much worse for women aging than it is for men. You know, men can be silver foxes. We're not usually silver vixens, are we? No. Um, but we can be, and ageism starts between our ears. So it's all about the stories that we tell ourselves, you know, and it's about changing those narratives and say, you know, does somebody say, oh, I'm too old to wear that or I'm yeah. too old to do that? And we, we do it to ourselves yeah. because we bought into those narratives. And I do generally think it's about time that we started saying, no, I'm not having that. Mm. I'm, I'm not having that anymore. This is actually a fabulous time of life. I'm more confident um, I've got more experience. I've got so much to give the world. And I actually, I really believe the world needs a lot more feminine wisdom yeah. in it at the moment. Yeah, yeah definitely. Agree more. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think it starts with us and, and also with, um, you know, challenging things. So I'm now, I, I get really naughty. I start wagging my finger at people. But somebody the other day, they said, oh, yes, we... We've been together 30 years and we're, we're a couple of dinosaurs now. And I looked at them and I said, what? You're not, you're not dinosaur. I mean, these people were maybe late 50s, yeah. um, vibrant, travelling around, you know. 
they're not dinosaurs. So mm. stopping ourselves with that kind of language, I think, is, is powerful as well. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I find it very frustrating that we're kind of pigeonholed into these little buckets of, you know, you're not allowed to look sexy over 40 or you're not allowed to be reckless or, or wear a short skirt or it's just so much judgment out there. Mm. stereotypes that drives me nuts mm. what do but you it's like... often it's often women that do it yeah, to it is. women isn't I, it I completely agree with that and that's the thing that I find really hard to understand really is that there is a lot of women out there with preconceived ideas of how we should all be looking once we get over 40 and, and that was the reason why me. I yeah that was why I chose the title the mutton club for my mm, online magazine yeah. because I wanted it to be you know you've got to be mutton to get in the club (laughs) and I wanted to turn it on its head you know so that it wasn't something negative it was actually something to aspire to you know bring it on I want to be mutton and I am going to look and dress and act however the hell I like fabulous keep doing it (laughs) what do you you like most about yourself now now that you're in your 50s oh that's an interesting question um I'm calmer Mm. Um, my family may not always agree with that (laughs) (laughs) but I do I do think I'm calmer Um, I'm a bit more considered in my approach but I also I think I I feel more powerful actually Mm. I I feel more powerful and having got over the confidence collie wobbles and all of that sort of stuff you know I'm now going out into the world and and finding my voice Mm. and I, I like that I would never have done that when I was younger yeah, it's really interesting. I really it? wouldn't have done that. So when you were younger, were you quite, were you shy? Were you, would you say you were confident when you were younger? I was, I was, I was not that shy. I was quite shy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big introvert. Mm. <laughs> so, but that's not so much shyness as just sort of, I suppose, being reflective and looking inward more than looking outward. Yeah. But the confidence to, to do what I'm doing now and I suppose the self-belief as well as confidence um has definitely come with age yeah it's great yeah i love it when I mean, you seem to have had this adventure streak in you um and you went off and joined a desert trek in, in jordan i uh, did you traveled yeah. there on your own didn't you met a group of people that you hadn't met before yes i did um that, yeah. that, that in itself is a brave thing to do as a woman i think quite often people are scared to travel what did you yeah. learn about yourself from that experience Oh, that I could do anything if I put my mind to it. Mm. And that there is great, great joy to be found when you go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. When you set yourself a challenge and then even if you don't accomplish it in its entirety, if you make some progress towards that challenge, then there is an enormous sense of satisfaction that comes because you've pushed yourself. Mm. What would be something that would really, what do you really struggle with when pushing yourself out of the comfort zone? What's the thing that you would put the brakes on and think, no, I can't do that? Or will you just say yes and work it out later? That's really interesting, again, because I'm currently, you know, thinking about where to take Magnificent Midlife and where to go next. And there are certain things that I'm comfortable with and some things that I'm not. So, for example, being in front of a camera at home or being on a podcast one-to-one is great. And also I could present, I could make a big talk, yeah. but actually a networking environment 
is is hell on earth for me because yes. then I've got, yeah. I've got yeah. to go and talk to lots of people yeah. so anything that involves you know like a big group of people but lots of interaction is is really difficult for me as an introvert um I can do it but it costs me you know yeah. so uh, so I suppose I, that that would that would be tricky I can completely relate to that and um, and I think I am I am a kind of confident introvert as well but I've just gone to my first kind of networking. I joined a networking group for Instagram bloggers and things. And I yeah. went to my first event and didn't know anybody. And, and I sat in the car for about 10 minutes, Tracia, thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to go in. I don't know anybody. <laughs> it's that horrible feeling of being back at school and what everyone talks to me in the playground. It's ridiculous. And I just thought, you know, I'm 49 years old, Rachel. Get yourself in there. <laughs> and, and you're a model girl you're all over the place doing I know, everybody I think... else well, everybody else would be scared of you not the other way around <laughs> it's funny though isn't it how when you're because you come across on camera and when you're doing the you know your talks on, on magnificent midlife you're very you come across as a very confident person so I, mm. I can completely understand there are certain circumstances where maybe mm. your guard is dropped and it's, it's not necessarily the businesswoman that's approaching an event it's more you the the inner person and I find that very difficult sometimes to overcome yeah but it's also I think we suffer terribly um in I think in midlife when our hormones start going AWOL um confidence gets knocked Mm. um so it's a sort of double-edged sword on the one hand in some aspects we're more confident on the other hand we're less confident and yeah. I think imposter syndrome can kick in big style, yes. um, particularly for women who've perhaps not been in the workplace, um, you know, so long. Maybe they took time out and they were at home with their families and then trying to come back into the workplace. That can be really traumatic and very difficult to do. And if you've lost that knack of, you know, interacting daily with other people, I mean, you know, I'm in my office here in the garden yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. talking to you, but I'm not in a in a big office environment day to day talking to lots of people yeah so we get out of a habit of doing it um and i think it's very good to remind ourselves of where we've come from and who we are and what yeah. we can do rather than focusing on what we think we can't do yeah that's really good advice <laughs> but after you came back from the the trek in jordan you actually ended up doing a she prima magazine didn't you um, I did, uh, yeah. Celebrating women that have been on some kind of transformational solo trip. So did yeah. that give you, doing, having that modeling experience, how did that make you feel? Did that give you more confidence? Oh, it did, actually, yeah. It was my modeling debut at 51. How yes. about that? That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> um, it? Yeah, I didn't like the clothes they put me in very uh. much. It was like, let's make the most of Rachel's hips, not make them look like the Titanic. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but it was, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh yeah, it was really nice, actually. And it's, I think it did give me more confidence. To go back um, to the clothes situation that you didn't like, did you feel confident enough in yourself to be able to say to the stylist, actually, really, that's just not me? Or did you just go with the flow and work it? Well, I did initially, but they were very persuasive and that yeah. was what they wanted. So I capitulated. But, yeah. you know, if I was a professional model, I probably would have said... No, I'm not wearing that. No, well, I don't think we had much choice, to be honest. <laughs> no, really? Yeah. 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 So yeah. How important is your own personal style and clothes? Because I've noticed that you have challenged yourself this year to not buy anything new for a whole year. I know. It's really and good. I'm How's loving it. I'm loving it, actually. 
I think that's also a very nice thing about where I am in life is that I finally really like the clothes I have. I'm very comfortable with the clothes I have. It's taken me a long time to get to that stage. But I like what I've got. Um, and I've got enough to do everything I need it to do. So at the beginning of the year, I just thought, right, I'll just, I'll not buy anything. And I thought it would be really difficult, but it's actually been remarkably easy. But I have been saved by eBay because I've discovered that you can have a used search on eBay. So you can say red dress size 12 and then make sure that it's used only and that yeah. search comes up and then you see those things and you can specify your brands that you like you know yeah. so uh, so that's been really nice just for bringing the changes a little bit not not excessively so but when yeah. you can get a really nice dress for a tenner plus postage yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. really it's really good quality you know it's been only worn a couple of times by the yeah. previous owner um it's fantastic i'm not a big fan of charity shops i don't know what it is about them but i just there's something i'm not not a big fan mm. um of rifling through racks of clothes but yeah i think it the can be online, daunting. yeah but the online experience works really well for me so yes i bought some socks and some bras but nothing else new this year and i can't believe that you know i'm almost to the end of september as well when we're recording this i've only got three months to go it's gonna be a double yeah. So what's going to happen in January? Are you going on a massive shopping spree or is this going to continue? <laughs> I think it's going to continue because mm-hmm. I'm really into sustainability. Yeah. And I don't want to consume. I, I, well, I, I try not to consume stuff. Mm. And I think the older I get, the, more, the less I want to actually consume of the planet's resources. So I think if I buy new stuff, it will be very considered. It will be very... I need it for a specific thing because I don't need anything else. Yeah. I really don't. You know, I have a glamorous dress I can wear for an evening event. I have suits and office stuff and I have casual stuff and I have swim stuff and gym stuff. And what else do I need? Mm. I don't I don't really need any else. So, no, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I've actually felt very satisfied being able to keep it going. Yeah. No, I think it's really interesting. Going back to the, the, I've noticed you put gym clothes in that list. How important has exercise been to you throughout the whole process of going through the menopause and and managing the symptoms and then moving forward into your 50s? Do you exercise a lot? I do. um, I do. um, And it's massively important. And uh, I would really recommend that if you don't exercise, that's the thing you need to change. Mm. Because I think, and, and I think we need, vigorous exercise to live well in later life Um, we need to stay active we need to have cardio we need to have weight bearing and or weight lifting um, and we need to have um, stretching those those three things I think are, are absolutely crucial so I run I do a lot of yoga and increasingly, um, well, my yoga is quite weight-bearing, what I do. So there's quite a lot of push-ups involved. Right. Um, and I've got some weights at home, and I'm trying to do those at home as well. So it's, it's absolutely crucial. Mm. But it's so good for managing menopause symptoms as well. I mean, it, it's known to be good, you know. So yeah. running helps with bone density. Um, so that's one reason why I, I still do it. So a lot of people are nervous about running, um, that it's going to hurt their bones. But if you do it carefully and you don't, overdo it and you don't 
push yourself too much, it's actually very good for maintaining good bone density and rebuilding it as well. So, so that's very important. And then the, um, the weight bearing, you know, helps with maintaining your metabolism. So we all know that as we get older, it's easier to put on weight. More, the main reason yeah. for that is because our muscle declines and muscle burns through, you know, calories and fat and everything faster than, than the rest of us does. So that's good for, for maintaining our metabolism and also for the bone density as well. So, yeah, and the endorphins that you get from doing exercise really help with anxiety and stress management and all yeah. those things that can come as we go through perimenopause years. Yeah. Were you sporty when you were younger or did you actually start taking up exercise because of going through early menopause or were you exercising before then? I was exercising before I went through menopause but not when I was younger. Mm. No, I, I was the least sporty person. Um, mm -hmm. I was I was the one who was humiliated by being chosen last yeah. <laughs> for, for whatever, whatever team we were being selected for. Yeah, my, my brother was the sporty one and I was the musical one. So mm. the, 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 the roles were very clearly defined in my house. But I discovered it, I suppose, um, not until my 30s, but I ran a half marathon at 50. Yeah, which is so, fabulous. So that was rather good. I haven't done one since. <laughs> would you do another uh, one? Would you, do you feel like I you could train now to do something else longer? I would like to, but um, I struggle now with the running. I, I think I've got out of the habit of doing it. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm building up to it again. So I went for a run this morning. Mm, um, okay. That was good. So, yeah, I'm building up to it again. Let's, let's, let's see. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Going back to your younger self, what would you tell your 16-year-old self? My 16-year-old self? Mm. Oh, that's a long way back. Uh, what would I tell my 16-year-old self? Trust your gut and you're good enough. Perfect. And how ambitious are you for the future? I'm very ambitious. Mm. I, I really am very well, ambitious. very driven, aren't you? I am, yeah. Because I know how many women suffer in this time of life and I want to impact those women and help them so that they don't suffer like I did or, yeah. you know, so they get to the good stuff more quickly than I did. So they don't spend all this time sort of floundering around in the middle because life is too short to get stuck in the middle. And it's also too short for plain biscuits, which is another podcast guest of mine. She told yeah. me that one. I, yeah, just, that. I just love it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's too short for plain biscuits. It's fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. And what the last three questions. So mm. is of music or a song that always motivates you? Um, I think it's going to have to be two. So mm -hmm. I've got one, um, which is a classical piece, which is uh, The Lark Ascending by Vaughan Williams, mm -hmm. which if I'm ever down, really down, I listen to that and it just magics me away to this beautiful, beautiful place. And I find it so soothing and so lovely. And then when I'm at the other end of the spectrum, when I'm like, I just want to pump up the energy a little bit and remind myself that what I'm doing is really cool. I like the Queen of Clubs, uh, which was played for me on a podcast once. That was my theme tune by Casey and the Sunshine Band. Brilliant. So, so that's a lot of fun as well. Going back to you just said now, sometimes you, you listen to the uh, music when you're feeling very down. What kind of things get you down? Arguing with people, mm. <laughs> losing people. Mm. So it's that it, that's the the one that I, I would that piece of music I turn to yeah. when when it when the shit has really hit the fan. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And what about a book that's inspired you? 
Okay, well, it's one... There are lots and lots and lots of books that inspire me. I, I read a lot. But there's one that I'm reading at the moment, which I love because it, it has my positive slant on midlife and menopause, which I don't often find. Um, so having found this one, it's by Christiane Northrup, and it's called The Wisdom of Menopause. It's all about creating emotional, physical health that will sustain us long term. So mm. it's not just in the perimenopause years, but, you know, just setting ourselves up well now so that we can enjoy long term health. And um, it looks at the whole gamut, the whole, the physical, the emotional, the fact that women's brains catch fire in midlife, which I think is a wonderful notion, you know, and that yeah, explains in a way why, why we're so enthused, a lot of us, to go and do new stuff and new things. So I'm really enjoying that one, and that I found it really inspiring. It's a huge tome. It's massive, <laughs> um, but there's lots, lots of good stuff in there. I shall have a look at that, add that onto the list. What yeah. advice would you give to women out there that are maybe kind of struggling at the moment and have kind of feel like they've lost the way and not, and not feeling very connected and not sure where, which direction to go? What piece of advice would you give them? Sign up on my website, magnificentmidlife.com. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you beat me to I will, it. <laughs> I will bombard them with positive stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think just reconnect with who they are and who they want to be. Um, because midlife is a great time to take stock and to think, you know, what have I been? Who have I been before? And who do I want to be going forward? Um, and think in terms of, so for me, um, when you look at what I achieved between 20 and 50, it, it was quite a lot. And I see no reason why we can't all achieve that between 50 and 80. And yeah. that's average life expectancy is 80. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's just average. Some of us are going to live a lot, lot, lot longer than that. So I think don't, don't put the brakes on yourself. Um, really think, okay, what do I want now? Because it's my time to shine. It's my time to be me um, and make the most of it. So don't step back, step forward. I love that. Thank you very much. That's a great way to end this conversation. Um, you are always very positive and I've been really inspired by you. So oh, as, thank um, you. As Rachel's already mentioned, um, you can go over to uh, magnificentmidlife.com where you can find out all her articles, all about the Mutton Club and her podcast, which I've had the pleasure of appearing on. Um, so please go and have a visit. You can also keep up to date with everything Rachel's up to on Instagram and Facebook at Magnificent Midlife and Twitter, Magnif Midlife. So thank you very much, Rachel. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. It's I'll, been delightful. Thank I'll be back you. in a fortnight when I'll be talking to the author of Collecting Conversations, Sam Bunch. Um, I'm really looking forward to finding out about her book and where the inspiration came from, and also how she bravely faced presenting a TED Talk. So I'll be back in a fortnight. In the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to this week's Out of the Bubble. And I hope it's left you feeling inspired. I'd love to hear from you. Who inspires you and why? Please get in touch. You can contact me via my website, rachelperumodel.com or leave a message on the Anchor app. And if you're listening via iTunes, don't forget you can leave feedback. In the meantime, keep being fabulous. <laughs>